Hello, everyone. This is the Overland Journal podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Scott Brady, and, yes. and bestie, Brian Dore. We're going to so, interview him today and make him feel slightly uncomfortable. Yep. And we've, we've guaranteed that nearly by you having three Pabst Ribbon and a Coors in front of you right now. Uh, two Coors Cowboy Dose cans? Coors. Yeah. Dose Coors. I'm not driving. Don't drink and drive. But we have just all come off of working 12-hour days at Overland Expo, so... Uh, we're going to do what we feel like. And I figure if it's good for Brian Reynolds and, and I think uh, yeah, Bron- Jason Momoa has a, yeah, yeah, Scott has, Brady has, has a privately got- labeled alcohol. So. This is Scott Brady tequila. It strangely <laughs> looks like urine. Um, <laughs> it may or may not be. Um, and he does have what was once a Brita pitcher. Yes. Next to him filled with what may or may not be tequila, which has several different Overland International brands yes. on it. My, my favorite being the expertly prepared uh, branding package here. <laughs> yes. See, when, when you pull this off. It twists like a. Yeah, it twists. Oh, it twists. Yeah, look. Look, it twists with Expedition Portal. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Which if you don't read Expedition Portal, you 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 probably should. You and mostly after good. after drinking tequila. Yeah. You know, please go on the Expedition Forum <laughs> Portal Forum after a bottle of Scott Brady tequila. Yeah, exactly. And uh you know it's argue. good when it twists off. That's the best kind <laughs> of tequila. That's kind of t- yeah. Yeah. Thanks to this week's sponsor, GCI Outdoor. Whether you're heading out for a weekend of adventure in the woods or to your backyard fire pit, GCI Outdoor gear is ready for whatever you have planned. GCI Outdoor has been around for 25 years, so they know what they're doing when it comes to the best in portable recreation gear. GCI has innovative products ranging from outdoor rockers to complete camp kitchens and everything in between. And with a limited lifetime warranty, you know they stand behind everything they make. GCI Outdoor Gear is comfortable, durable, and built for adventures, big and small. Try them out for yourself. Head over to their website at gcioutdoor.com and save 10% off your first purchase when you sign up for their email list. Thanks again, GCI. So we're here with Brian. Brian is an accomplished overlander, automotive journalist, and uh, uh, you do the things that requires your heart rate to be up and you exercise in various ways outdoors. Yes. Scott and I do not. (laughs) Um, human you, powered and dino juice powered adventures are okay, all about. Yeah. Both. So, so world-class kayaker, um, you mountain bike, you do the thing where you use gravity down the ski slopes. Oh yes. Yeah, all, all of the things, skiing, snowboarding, all of the, all things. the things. Yeah. Both, um, both skiing and snowboarding. Yeah. Snowboard instructor back in the day and Interesting. recently ski photographer. Yeah. Oh, cool. I've had the pleasure of traveling all over the world with Brian. I've had the pleasure of Brian coming for Thanksgiving and leaving for New Year's. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm just stoked to have you, stoked to have you here. You were on our original list of guests and oh. it's taken this long. It's taken almost two years. We had that many years. people that we wanted ahead of Brian. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> That's not, you were actually very, you were very you were busy, end. like moving from a nomadic life yeah. to marrying a wonderful woman, Kate, yeah. whom we all love. And having a beautiful baby rose oh. and uh, having a, a roof over your head that does not that pop up. <laughs> and I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Those historic homes, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Modern homes <laughs> like a more 1928. Um, it's old. <laughs> yeah. So how do you describe Brian door? And that's B-R-Y-O-N. B-R-Y-O-N. Yeah. That's important distinction. Yes. Pronounce normal. R-R. So like if you try yes. and spell your name the way you think it's spelled, 
you're going to mess it up. If you try to smell it the most wrong and the worst that you can think of, you're probably about right. <laughs> Scott and I do not have that problem. All of our names, sure. first names. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, this is true. There's there's six first names on this side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's true. That's yeah. true. <laughs> Scott, Allen, Brady. Yeah, they're all yeah. first names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that makes I us. I think that, that makes us very suspect, Matt. I think. Incredibly. <laughs> is that the only thing that makes you guys suspect? <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's one of a long list. Yes. I guess Overland Life kind of started for you with your sportsmobile. It did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you were in Portland. You were running, what was the name of the shop that you were running? You were an outdoor industry buyer. Yes. At the time I ran a large paddle sports retailer, part of a big outdoor store. It was called Next Adventure. Um, still around, I think, right? Still around, still getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. They're killing it. So I, I moved about a 2000 square foot paddle sport department in the big outdoor store. So think local REI style thing. Um, Took that little 2,000 square foot to employee thing to a 15,000 square foot paddle sports center with 16 employees and two vans and a rental program and 3,000 plus students through a school a year in about a under three year program. I took that thing from making okay money to making well over a million dollars a year. So it's good. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the things for me that is that is really interesting about you, Brian, is that you have, you've gained a level of mastery in a bunch of totally disparate activities. So you've, you've leveled, you've gained a significant level of mastery in water sports. You've gained a notable level of mastery as an automotive journalist, but then you've also started and run and grown businesses to pretty significant degree of success. What would you say is the common thing amongst all of them about you that's allowed you to do that? Probably really enjoying and excelling when things are continuously moving and you have to react to it and have already planned ahead, had four or five plans enacted, and then deal with what's coming at you when it happens. It's in whitewater when you're in the middle of a rapid, Mm. you're not turning around and going back. You're going downstream one way or the other at that Mm. point. Um, and you got to deal with what comes at you, whether you expected it or not. And, uh, I think it's the same with business. And so you else. find yourself to be effective as a tactician or planner, but then, it, but then it seems like that you are certainly effective in the moment. Like when yeah. something goes suddenly sideways or upside down for sure yeah. as businesses, yeah. as businesses yeah. and whitewater. I, I just think Brian goes. always has a plan. I mean, yeah. Brian's helped me so much with my business and starting adventure imports and, 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 and a variety of things because, because you plan. I'm decent at planning. I'm really good at situational awareness and having the knowledge and skill set from my history to deal with stuff that's happening at the time and um, in a super appropriate manner that kind of is a plan for the future. So it, it might look like I have a plan, but it's just because I kind of made something happen on the fly back in the day that then created that situation. So a big toolbox for you based on all of those experiences. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, I think uh, my experiences in business and um, running multiple businesses, running business for other people, myself, all the above, paddle sports, action sports, that's all led to wanting to travel more and doing well and just figuring it out while on the road. I started mm-hmm. out trying to be a professional photographer. That was 2011. I'm like, no debt but no money. I mean, I had a hundred bucks in the bank, but I owned my sports, my used sports meal that I bought, sold off my car, sold off everything I had. I think, no, I think I had like 1200 bucks, I think in my, in my bank account and my sports bill, but I had no bills. I mean, I had a cell phone bill, car insurance. That's it. No other bills, no, no Netflix, no Hulu, none of that stuff to add to the, to the monthly bills. And I just hit the road and I was like, I'll figure it out. I can, mm. I can, 
always go get a job if I have to and slow down. But the plan was to go see lots of stuff and kind of follow the seasons, ski, snowboard, kayak, do all the above and try to be a professional outdoor industry photographer, um, especially action sports. I love ski, snowboard and kayak are kind of my passions. What did you do before that? Before that moment in time, yep. what we find when we interview people, there's something either they, they hate their job <laughs> or there's been a significant personal shift. Yep. What, what was the thing that, that brought you to that point to saying, I'm going to leave with my van and $1,200 and go see the world or at least try. Yeah. The 12 months before that, uh, was kind of a, a, th- a trifecta, uh, lost long-term girlfriend. Kind of, we split, went our different ways on a different coast at the time. And the second thing that happened was I was not getting the kind of respect and monetary value for the job I was doing. Um, even though I was making it huge. So I was making the same money managing two employees at 32 hours a week as I was 80 hours a week managing 16 employees. And sure. at some point you just sit back and go, this isn't going to work out long-term. I'm wasting my time. Yeah. Have fun with that. Exactly. So I, yeah, I said, have fun with that essentially. Um, and the other thing that happened, kind of the big thing that I always talk about is I had three pretty close friends pass away in short order. So under mm-hmm. six months, three friends, all younger than me, um, some substantially, some less, all three kind of doing what they love. Uh, whitewater kayaking, uh, freak accident there. Um, and then one a South African friend was actually rabies. So he took in a stray dog. Uh, it was licking him and he's a rancher. So his hands were all cut up and he contracted rabies through the cuts in his hands. Like they didn't know the dog had rabies at all until he contracted it. So, um, but he, yeah, vegetable pretty quick and that was rough. And he was 22, I think. So, um, yeah, that kind of was a big impact and eye opener. It was like not a dead end job, but like I knew I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't getting kind of what I needed out of it. Saw people that were living life to the fullest that were gone. And I was like, it's time to do something different with my life. Time is the most valuable resource we all have. The one thing we can't get back, we can always earn more money or do this or do that. But time is, you never know. So it was time to hit the road and do something different. And that was, I didn't know what I would do, but it was in a situation where I didn't have kind of, I don't want to say baggage, but the baggage of pets or property or uh, significant others or anything else and, and, and debt. So I didn't have that. I, I paid it all off with a bunch of work and um, was just ready to do something different. Hmm. Fresh start. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. Amazing. And I guess prior to that, you know, you brought up kind of friends in South African stuff. Yeah. You paddled like the Zambezi. I remember you telling yeah. me this one story where you, you hit the side of your kayak. So the hippos don't come after you. 100%. When you paddle the flat water in on the lower Zambezi, which isn't run that often, the, the inner gorge, the upper section just below Victoria Falls is pretty commonly run. And that's the harder rapids. And that's why people run it. It's really hard and really fun yeah. um, as it, from an experienced kayaker point of view. But further down, it's flatter between the rapids and longer. And that's where all the hippos are um, and the freshwater crocs. Um, so yeah, you paddle in those pools together in a group with the kayaks really close together. And every other stroke, you tap the boat with the paddle and it makes enough noise all together that it makes you seem really big. And then they don't mess with you. Hmm. You hope. So I know a friend that got eaten by a freshwater croc. So it's uh it's, yeah. a, it's a thing. Yeah. They don't, they don't have, you know, a higher discernment of prey. Yeah. So like anything that looks like protein is prey. Yeah, mm. yep, for sure. Yeah, it's it. The Zambezi is amazing. Like uh, if you ever get a chance, if you're not a kayaker, it doesn't matter. Go raft it though. Even if you're not a kayaker, like epic, epic uh, place to be as a kayaker, the rafts don't go here, but up the rapids are no- numbered one through, I forget what it is, 20 something. And there's negative rapids and the negative rapids are below Victoria falls, like directly below where it flows and the, the falls fall off the rocks. And you have to actually paddle upstream and kind of do a portage and then ferry across the current to get up there. So rafts don't really go there. 
but I stood in that area. I saw some friends run the minus rapids. I didn't, it's really, really hard. Like class five plus, 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 plus. Um, it was, it was amazing. I got some amazing images as a photographer, but I got to stand under one of the smaller waterfalls falling off Victoria falls, like directly under it. And that was just like a super moving experience for me. Like that's a place that so very few people have been. It's one of the many things in my life that really connected me to whitewater as a thing to go explore places on the planet that other people just haven't been, or very, very few people have been being on the river and traveling by water is, um, a unique perspective on the mm. world. And mm. it's just, it's really cool, especially really remote creeks. Um, kind of early on, I, I studied abroad in Tasmania and Australia, and, um, there's this really remote, uh, Creek that had been run once before and it poured rain for like five days and it went it, it started flowing and I had all my friends there like drag me out of bed in the morning, super early. We went out there and did it. It was way above my head skill level wise at the time and probably shouldn't been there. It was pouring rain all day. Um, <laughs> but I ran in like inappropriate gear, a rapids above my head, like in the middle of nowhere, they're not going to get help. There's no cell service. We didn't have Garmin in reaches back then. Um, and just the teamwork and being in those places was just the most special thing. And that's what really hooked me. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to travel the world to do this because mm. it's going to take me places that others don't go. And I like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's always been interesting. Like I, I, as a friend, you know, we've been friends for a while now and, and just, there's always like a, there's always a new layer of Brian Doerr. You're like a very complicated, slightly salty onion. Salty for sure. Salty. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody that knows Brian will be laughing right now. Um, Okay. So you've done the Zambezi. I know, I know prior to that, you know, you were involved with importing kayaks and kayak equipment. That was a big part of your life prior to that. Um, so let's, let's, let's fast forward to what we initially talked about was, was the sportsmobile. You love vans for some reason. I do. I mean, you're like, you're like pre, pre all of this van life thing. Oh, totally pre van life. Yeah. Pre, pre van life. Yeah. Um, you get this, it was, it was four wheel drive, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's four wheel drive. It was a four by four, a Quigley four wheel drive on 33s, extended body E350 with the 7.3 diesel. Uh, it was a full sports wheel build. So it had a. Did it have a pop top or a solid top? Pop top. Nice. Yeah. For me, pop tops are required because I roofs are for adventure gear. Oh, Kayaks sure. And that mountain makes bikes sense. and skis. So a full height one, you just get too high. Yeah, um, got I want to be able to fit down trails. Yeah, so makes sense. I'm always on the pop top. I, I remember being. You know, when I, cause we, we kind of got into the, in the overland world at, at right about the same Very time. Very similar. Yeah. Found each other pretty quick, became friends, been friends since been to each other's weddings. Yep. Um, actually both of you guys were the, the, the only non-family I had on my side at the wedding. It's an yeah, amazing we, wedding. If you guys haven't talked about that yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we did talk about it a little bit. I mean, it was the most beautiful wedding. It was like, a scene for you. It was just, for you, for it was just, Laura, th- for sure. just 13 people. You needed four wheel drive to get there. You, you needed four wheel <laughs> drive to get there. Yeah. yeah of course. It was, at, it was awesome. It was at like awesome. 11,500 feet it was or something. Incredible. My, um, my two month old baby did really well at 11,000 yeah, feet. Yeah, Rose was the star of the show. Um, uh, I don't know. Dak was, Dak was loved by everybody. We did. Me, me, my, my dog and I had matching suits. That you did. Was, that was, that was classic. That was, that was pretty cool. <laughs> that was amazing. Well, we, we just, we just valued what we valued. We valued a, a core group of friends and then we spent the money on our ridiculous honeymoon and traveling totally. because after all this COVID stuff. Yeah. So sportsman was before times back in 2011. And that was like, honestly, that came about, it wasn't, I didn't know anything about overland world or the, um, you're like a reluctant overland. Yeah. Like overlanding. I don't even know anymore. I don't, I'm overlanding has been like this has been a tool and a, and a general industry that has allowed you to do other activities. I love automotive stuff. I will, as a kid, I'm a sports car guy, Ferrari guy, the whole nine yards, but 
I was never like way into four by fours or, um, I camped, I went boy scouts and camped in tents and stuff. But, um, yeah, the, I don't know that I'm an overlander. I want to live in a van down by the river, like straight up. That was me. That was like, put the kayaks on there and chase the rain and go find rivers all over the planet. We're skiing. I mean, water, the cycle of water, right? Whether it's frozen or not, I enjoy using gravity and going down it. Mm. Mm. You're kind of like the actual definition of overlanding. I mean, a lot of people call themselves that, but you're actually doing vehicle based adventure travel. That's yeah. like literally what you did. So it totally <laughs> depends on the, on the definition, right? Yeah. Cause it, for my first, a lot of years, I live about eight years full-time on the road between 2011 and yeah, 2018, something. So seven something years I was lived in a couple of different vehicles, but started with a sports wheel for a few years and it was chasing water and doing all that. But the automotive stuff was a tool to go do the adventure. Like mm-hmm. that, that was just a way to live cheap so I could do the adventures. I mean, I lived under the poverty line for five, six years and it, sort of by choice. Like I could have gone out and made more money. I had made more money before I started on the road. It was enough to keep doing what I wanted to do and hone my skills in photography, learn a lot about off-road adventure, off-road travels or recovery and all that kind of thing, how to drive off-road and how to live in a camper and all that kind of thing. And then, you know, the next step was the sportsmobile was old and a little rusty to build another vehicle. And that was like the big, the big next move. So um, an O one Dodge Ram. How would you, um, before yeah. we move to that next section, this is really interesting to oh. me. When you talk about living below the poverty line, yeah. I think uh, we get a lot of Matt and I get a lot of questions about how do I afford to do this? Mm-hmm. Or I can't, I can't do this cause I can't afford it. That's really interesting to me. Would you mind talking a little bit about how you did that, how you made decisions financially, um, where you could go and travel and live on a van down by the river below the poverty line? I think the key to that, and that's always the question is like, how do you do it? And they don't mean how you do it. They mean, how do you afford it? And the reality, the reality of that is if it's a priority, you afford it. It's not that complicated. Um, Everybody makes it a thing. And it's usually because they have hangups with uh, societal norms and laws. So like, I want to own property. Oh, I got this house. Like I can't leave. I can't go do anything. I got to pay my mortgage or you can rent it out. There's ways, right? Or you can sell it. You don't need to own that. Um, you don't need the white picket fence or I got kids. I can't travel. I, we all know plenty of, yeah, people we were literally just having a margarita with Graham and Louisa bell. Absolutely. Raise their raised, children, raise their children like on across the, road, the yeah. world. Amazing yeah. kids. Absolutely. Totally yeah. amazing. Super well-adjusted, funny. Yeah. yeah. Again, all of those are just excuses because the priority isn't to go travel and do that. They might aspire to it, but that's not the priority in life. The priority is like, well, we want a stable school life and we want this and we want that. And that's fine. That's, that's the thing that I think a lot of people got to get over is like, find the path that works for you in life at that time. I mean, my life's changed dramatically recently and I'm fine with it. It's a new path. Yeah, your priorities have changed. It'll change again. Like you, have not, ra- you have a rad garage now too. I have, if I'm living, <laughs> if I have a roof over my head, I'm going to have a toy box garage that's required. Yeah. It's um, like, in like, I feel like in a year, Brian went from like living in a van down by the river to having a nice house. All the things. All the things. Having a Lexus and this awesome garage and a 911 turbo. I mean, I think it just kind of goes to, to, to show the capability of you as a person. You know, I mean, one of the things I've always thought about you, Brian, is that you talk about what you're just saying with priorities and what you value in things. And you know, you're a highly intelligent person that has been able to figure out how to do whatever they want, whenever they want. Sort yeah, and of, that's, sort of. And that's, <laughs> well, and, and that's the definition of wealth. And a lot of times yeah, people, exactly. people confuse being rich with being wealthy. Uh, being rich means 
means that you have a lot, you spend a lot of money. So that means you're, some people make a million dollars a year and they spend 1.2 million. They're yeah. very rich. Yeah. Uh, but the person who is wealthy is doing what they want to do when they want to do it. Sometimes doing what you want to do requires more money than someone else because what they want to do is different. But that's really the only true definition of wealth is being able to do what you want when you want. And you did that. So you were very, very wealthy, much more so than most Americans. For sure. Yeah. And it wasn't money. money. I'd say that was not rich part of wealthy for sure. Um, but yeah. And then actual dollars and cents and how to make it work, right, is to piece the puzzle together, to be, you have your fingers in a million different things or be really good at one thing that pays well and do that on the road. But that is hard. That's not for everybody to do. Um, I, I went the route of putting my fingers in everything because I wanted to be a photographer. That was my goal. Um, in today's world, everybody wants everything. So you get to be a good photographer or get paid for it and get ins with editors and everything else, you have to also be a good writer, maybe be a personality, maybe have a social media presence, maybe have video and YouTube stuff going on. Um, there's a lot of facets to marketing yourself these days, um, especially in the media world and the media landscape continually changes as, as we all know. So yeah, it's just piecing it together. So I did commercial photography. I did editorial photography. I did editorial photography and writing eventually got into editing other people's stories, doing copyright but do, or copy editing and doing that stuff for brands as well as you're doing a bit of like marketing consulting was and, social yeah. media management, marketing consulting. I, so I have a bit, uh, entrepreneur, Entrepreneurial, a bit, uh, was it a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration with a concentration in entrepreneurial marketing? Like, that's the degree I, I knew have. you had a BS. I have lots of BS, <laughs> a whole lot of that. So, yeah, so I, I mean, this I. Whole table. I yeah, this whole table. I hired myself out of college and started my own company. And so I used my degree. But um, I think just finding your own path and figuring it out is the puzzle. So, events management work run some people's social media, take some photos over here for a company, take, write some stories and take some cool photos on your adventures and sell those to some magazines. Print always pays a little more than online. So just kind of piece well, it all I mean, together. The cool, the cool thing you've always done is you've always been like really diversified in your work. And I think that's yeah. been the key to you having been able to do this for so long, right? Like yeah. um, obviously there's been changes, you know, that, that, that you wanted in, in, in recent times, but I think, you know, the lesson, you know, as we were talking about, oh, well, how do you do it? So many people will, will, will put all of their eggs in one basket. They, they, you know, they have a job with Google or some tech company or something and they get to work remotely. And that is it for them. That is their, in, that is their one income source. And as soon as that job changes or they don't like that job or something, you know, the, their, their priority still maybe was their career or, or something else. And I think what you said was smart is like, what is your actual, figure out your actual priority and then and then kind of make it work from there. And I think by diversifying, yeah. you know, you did that. By diversifying, it gives you the freedom and flexibility to make it work as your priorities change. Um, I, I think it's a re- that's a really good segue into just a little piece of kind of the recent history is April 2020, like the world was ending, right? Everything yeah. shut down, maybe not down here in Arizona, but every, everywhere else in the world. Well, certainly in Portland where you are. Yeah, in Portland, Oregon, where I, I think was. Yeah, they, they, it they felt still, like the end of days in Portland then. It did, yeah. It was before a lot of the protests and riots and stuff. But um, yeah, April 2020, I lost about 80% of my income within a week and a half. So 
every outdoor industry company and some companies in this space that I was running social media for and doing corporate photography or commercial photography for, they laid off all their freelancers and like 30, 40% of their staff, right? Everybody was getting laid off at the time. So freelancers the first to go because they're not on salary and in-house. And then all events were canceled. So I helped run the Northwest Overland Rally, help with the BC Rally, teach sometimes at Overland Expo and stuff like that. So uh, run some music festivals for operations management, all that stuff gone, disappeared instantly, right? So right around April, everybody canceled everything for at least the next you know six months. Um, so I'm looking at it like, wow, all right. But luckily the company that, again, it's being diverse and knowing people, it's all about connections, right? Like you get in the, you get your door and your foot in the door places and prove that you can create and, and deliver whatever it is they're looking for. Um, so I was working for GearJunkie.com at the time, um, big outdoor industry site. And yeah, I've always positioned myself as the guy between automotive and outdoor adventure. And that's what I do. I, I love being outside and doing active adventure sports and human powered stuff, but using vehicles to do really fun trips to get there is awesome. Um, and you kind of need vehicles to carry kayaks around cause they're big. You can't, they're not very good on a motorcycle. I've tried. I have done it, but, um, so yeah, I, I, it worked out where like a week later I got a full, my first in my life, like salaried job with benefits, uh, running a site called autowise.com and being the motors editor over at gear junkie. So it was a, a change, a huge change for me, but I worked it out in my contract because I brought so much to the table with my industry experience and connections that I can still freelance for every. So I still have fingers and everything. I still help with events when they happen, hopefully more so here coming up soon. Do lots of uh, social media stuff a little bit. I'm getting out of that a little bit. I, I, again, I'm trying to refocus on my photography because that's what my passion is. So my free time stuff, I was just out shooting a truck this morning for a print magazine. Um, hey, you're shooting Mario's new Atera. Yeah, the new Atera. AT Overland. Yeah, yeah very cool camper. Very slick. Yeah. He just showed that off at, uh, Overland Expo. And, um, yeah, we took it out in the, out in the mountains and got some really cool shots this morning, some neat clouds with the weather and that'll go in print because I'm the feature editor at tread magazine. So that's kind of my print job. I still keep my finger in that. And then it'll go on gear junkie as well. We got an exclusive back in the day from Mario for, with some of the CAD drawings and stuff. So it kind of debuted that online, which was super cool to show that off to the outdoor audience. Um, and that camper is really fun for four season, everything like that should be pretty sweet as yeah. a ski lodge for sure. And it's fairly priced too. Yeah. I mean, to get not some, inexpensive, but fairly priced in this industry and really well you made compare it you to pay, you pay for what you get. It's never cheap. hundred yeah. percent. I mean like my, my AT camper, I have like the summit and that mm -hmm. thing has just been a, a brick. bomber. It's, yeah, it's bomber. bomber. I mean, I've, I've had mine airborne <laughs> a lot. <laughs> for sure. Those pop top style uh, truck campers are pretty amazing. There's a huge variety, huge variety of companies out there. An article I wrote for gear junkie, I think in 2018, uh, I did a roundup of all of those. And it's, it's one of the top performing stories still to this day on gearjunkie.com. I know Exhibition Portal has a very similar one where you guys got to test everyone. And I've had my hands on every one that I wrote about in that article. And those are the top two on a Google search um, yeah. for that product. Yeah. I am not the top Google search for that product. You are not. I'm disappointed. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to try to sneak. Uh, I Again, up, it's priorities, man. Yeah. I updated you have other priorities like Dak <laughs> yeah. and Laura. Lovely Greyhound. Rescue Greyhounds. You're, you're lovely. Your baby Dak. Yes. Baby boy Dak. Yeah. Uh, snood season has started in the Greyhound world. What is this? Uh, they're like a sock that goes over their neck, keeps them warm. And Called then you can, put, you can put it over their little cute ears. I saw you putting that on the dog this morning. I yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's snood season. Snood. Fall, fall has begun. <laughs>
the things you learn hang uh, out on the Greyhound Overland Journal po- podcast. Yeah, we just learned about snoods right now. <laughs> snoods, man. I mean, you got to keep your greyhound warm when you're overlanding. That's, That's a right. thing. Exactly. Everybody's going. You know, when, when we were at Overland, Overland Expo. Oh, whose car is this? My dogs. What about that one? My dogs. <laughs> They're all outfitted for my dog. I mean, the LJ. Yep. It's basically a moving dog bed. I mean, we, we talk on a regular basis about all of your new vehicles and which ones you're getting next. And it's always, well, no load, no lay flat seats. We can't have that one. Dax, yeah, like the new G-Wagon just makes me so angry that <laughs> it does not have a flat loading floor. Because yep. that does in the very back, doesn't it? Yeah, but he will not tolerate that. I, know. Oh. He needs I mean, how, how would you feel so like if Aaron got a new car yeah. and you had to exclusively sit in the third row seat? <laughs> Think this about it. This is true. This is true. You would be hurt. Yeah, this is My true. My little boy hurt. Well, the, the new Bentley will work for you. Just, you know, just so you know, the Bentley Continental has a nice low lay flat. Like you put a little dog bed in there. I, I can tell you from experience that a Greyhound does not fit in a Bentley Continental GT. The new one, it might. The Bentayga? For sure. Uh, okay. All right. Bentayga is an interesting choice. That'll be fun for some off-road adventures. I'm in. I'll photograph no. that. <laughs> they're just really, they're just really ugly. Ooh. Like well, the front, like directly from the front is okay, but any other angle is not okay. It's just kind of like the rear haunches are a little yeah. rough. <laughs> like, yeah. It's kind of like the middle-aged like the, woman of cars. I like the front fenders though. Not that there's anything wrong with a middle-aged woman. Say, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, what did you mean by that, man? I don't really know, actually, now that I think of it. <laughs> Matt, I'm going to ra- drink some more of your cheap Russian beer over there. Y- you know. <laughs> Before you take your, your take. Do, the, do, the Russians, do the Russians own Pabst Blue Ribbon? It's is that what established in Milwaukee, 1844. <laughs> what I read on Facebook is true, even if it came from the Russians. <laughs> Why don't, you haven't even opened your beer. No, I haven't. Brian, Brian okay, is the only so, one that's so actually smart at this table. Here, here's something to know about Brian. He, it, he is the most pretentious beer person I've ever met in my life. Um, like he like, does live like, in Oregon. I mean, is, is this like a surprise? I mean, like, uh, does he want like a kombucha delivered by Subaru micro brew made by, nope. I don't know. I don't know what you do. I mean, you I, like dark beers. I like dark and your beer. The beers age. you like are as dark as my soul. Your soul might be a little dark. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit oh, cool thanks bro <laughs> on that note, on that note <laughs> what's up buddy <laughs> no uh, dark dark beers are the key porter stouts barrel aged like multi multi levels of flavor in your mouth I mean, so what's That's your favorite beer because you you do like Ooh. that beer app yeah. Yeah, I do. Untapped. Untapped. That's the yeah, beer app. Um, yeah, so you can fun. look it up and it'll give you the tasting notes and flavors and rankings. It, and It does that a little bit. Um, I use it as a ranking thing so I can look up if I had already had that beer or not, and if it was any good. Ah, okay. So when I, what I, you thought of it. What I thought of it. So Interesting. You, you rank it and you can leave notes and stuff. Ah, Roger. Yeah. So it's fun because I uh, travel a lot. And when I do, I tend to eat at breweries a lot because then I get a sampler, enjoy all the, all the local beers. But um, yeah. yeah. Speaking of you eating, oh. you now eat vegetables. Some. Mm. I'm still a weird picky eater. That's you're the, like anybody that actually knows Brian that's listening to this podcast will be laughing right now. I've never seen Brian be picky. Oh dear God. <laughs> no, I mean, we've had many dinners together and I mean, have you lived with Brian on different continents? <laughs> no, <good>. but <laughs> I'm just telling you. Like maybe, it, maybe the menu helps. Cause then you can kind of figure out what's in each thing, but I've never seen you be. Brian has married a vegan. I have. Yes. And Brian has essentially become vegan. No, not even close. I had a flame mignon wrapped in bacon the other day, like three days yeah, ago. Yeah. Because, so. because you weren't around Kate. I know you. I would eat it in front of You're me. like me when I get loose from Laura and I like pretend to be cool and drink beers, but at home I like drink seltzer water. And That's fair. I've, with I've, my seen dog. That. I've seen, I've seen that happen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was, that was last night. <laughs> <laughs> it was within 24 hours of this podcast at 8 30 
You're, that's right. I came home later and Matt, you were already You asleep. are an old soul, Matt. I read, I've noticed that from the very beginning. At 21, you were like... The, the only consistent thing in my life since I've been 21. It's PBR. Paps, Paps Rulu. <laughs> yeah. It has been owned by people on different continents, but you've continued drinking it either way. Yes. You know, and, and I'm, I'm disgusting. I like it slightly warm. Oh. One of the best photos I have of Matt Scott is the Northwest Overland Rally. He was he flew in for the event and he was given a press car, a Range Rover, maybe autobiography. Beautiful car. Beautiful car. <laughs> I remember this. On his way, uh, he had his flip flops on, he had his shorts on, he had probably a Hawaiian print shirt on. And he rolls up with a 24 pack of. Uh, it was a 30 rack, bro. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not At up. At the time, PBR still came in 30 racks. I'm not up on my PBR program here. Rolls up and he, I just, I walk up to him. The first thing I see is him sitting on the tailgate of a Range Rover Sport with his leg dangling off, cracking a PBR. <laughs> he showed up at the Northwest Overland Rally. It was it was quintessential. Matt Champagne Scott. budget, PBR taste. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes. He, he does love his rosé, too. That's, I'm that's, a rosé <laughs> slut. Yes. But most, most gingers are. I, I drank uh, the Four Seasons Tanzania Safari Lodge out of rosé. That does not surprise me. Yeah, least. yeah. That was my They're like, we're yeah. so sorry, Mr. Scott. Yeah, they didn't <laughs> fly in more rosé for you? I mean. They literally sent someone to Arusha. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, if anybody knows Tanzania, that's a ways. They understand that one. That's a ways. Uh, so champagne budget sometimes. Well, I, points, you know, I, points I do, are awesome. I, I'm, a, I'm a points hoe. I know. You know, it's, like it's good. But, know. but back to food. I am a super picky eater. Always have been meat, cheese, bread kind of guy. If there's any color on my plate, I probably didn't eat it. It was all brown, mm. right? You tend, you want the rainbow on your plate to eat healthy. Yeah. And I didn't really do that for a long time. But on the flip side, I don't ever do fast food. I don't drink sodas. I don't drink energy drinks. I keep away from sugar generally. I do have a sweet tooth, but I try to not get into that too much. I don't eat candy or things like that. I love ice cream and cheesecake. Cheesecake's my weakness. Oh, gotcha. But I don't do it that often. Um, mascots on beer number two. And uh, I married a, a beautiful vegan and she- um, a beautiful vegan? A beautiful vegan. It's great. I'm going to so text my, Kate after my, this, be like, Ryan married a beautiful vegan. <laughs> my wife, Kate, uh, is a vegan. And um, yeah, I've, she's been great because she's really opened my eye. I've always wanted to eat more healthy and more vegetables, but I'm just a picky eater and don't like most of that. But she amazingly, we at home, we don't eat meat at all. Like it, not vegan, vegetarian. Like I, I, we put cheese on I, stuff. I, I, I just it. remember but, like we, we just had lunch with the Bells, mm-hmm. Ashley and Richard Giordano. There's a whole grouping of Overland people sitting right outside of that door. Um, and I think you were eating a plate of chips. After the carne asada tacos. Oh, you did have steak tacos. <laughs> did you, did you take the pickled cabbage off? Yes. Okay. He's no, not, I, I, he's not an I actually, I'm with, I'm with Brian on this one. I mean, because Erin is vegetarian. Mm. Yep, she will eat fish. So I don't eat. I mean, I feel better eating less meat in my diet. It doesn't mean that when I go out to a dinner that I don't every once in a while have steak. I've never really liked chicken. I've never really liked. It's kind of a diseased meat. Like if you're going to get sick from one meat. That's my thought. It's going to be chicken. And it's also, it's also kind of wholesale slaughter. I mean, like one meal is one chicken. Like it's just, yeah. like you can feed a family for a year off of one cow. Yeah. So it, to me, it seems like there's left. Let's just overall death Ooh, happen. There's this place that ha- that ranches Spanish cows out by where, where we live. The Aravaca float. Yeah. And uh, we should split a cow. We should. Local meat. No, it's the so ba- hard to Baca find. float. The Baca float. Sorry. It's so hard to find good meat. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm totally down with that. But I get, I get it. And I think you're right. I mean, I have felt healthier. I mean, for the last 
even in a previous relationship, vegetarian. And, and I think eating that way for now years, I feel better overall than when I was eating meat all the time. So 100%. I don't know that I would ever stop eating bacon, but <laughs> see, I'm not that big of a bacon guy. Oh, I think bacon's quite basic. Off the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm you just got like, fired from your own podcast, yeah. Matt. <laughs> I don't know. I just like, it's okay. Like, no, I get, I get everybody's got a different thing. So Bacon is the one thing that most vegetarians and vegans will crack on. Kate will not. She like, will not like, eat the bacon. But, but like, Aaron, Aaron has said that. She's like, if I was ever going to have meat, yeah. it would be bacon. That would like, be the one thing. People who think bacon is great and is like their, their die all meat yeah. have not had two things. Korean fried chicken and pork belly. Oh, pork belly is pretty special. Pork, pork belly yeah. is pretty much bacon. Let's be honest. Yeah, it no, is bacon. I mean, straight up, <laughs> it, it, is. it all makes sense. It all yeah. makes sense. But it's like bacon plus. It's yeah. like mm. it's like I'm gonna only drive a Ford Mustang, and then they've never driven like a, I don't know, like a Kia or something that's better. Crispy peppered bacon is better than pork belly. I know it's the, uh, it's not the probably right opinion, but it's my opinion. Yeah, maybe it's too fat. Do you know who knows belly? meats? Yeah. Yeah. Is the Koreans? Oh yeah, for sure. No doubt. My, yeah, no my, doubt. my cousin's wife is Korean and we went to Seoul with them nice. and I had the meat sweats for a week <laughs> solid. Like we'd go to like, we'd go to like, we'd go to like these meat markets oh, yeah. and then above the meat market are these like restaurants with the, you know, the Korean barbecue things and they bring yeah, yeah. all the kimchi and the little sides and stuff. I have never seen a little Korean woman eat so much. Meat. <laughs> I mean, Brian, she could out bacon you. I don't know. Solmi is a cool chick. No doubt. Nice. Yeah. There we go. And I'm ready to go to Seoul now. To be honest, Seoul, like as far as eating, I think if you're not like a super, super adventurous eater, yeah. I think that Koreans have a more similar palate to Americans than most other Asian countries. Interesting. Like, but they'll, they're, they're perfectionists, right? Like they will take fried chicken, which was kind of, well, fried chicken's everywhere, but like yeah. American style fried they chicken. And then it. they'll take it like to the next level. And it's, it's twice fried. Yeah. So it's fried chicken. That's not terrible. Yeah. Oh. Like, like if you have KFC now, you're going to be like, hey, that's, I, that's fast food. I don't need that's, Yeah. It's barely. I'm you know. just saying like, they're like the, you like the, the only mean. fast food chain that is anywhere and everywhere in the world. Kentucky what fried chicken. Kentucky KFC. fried chicken. It's insane. I, and I did not know that until I started traveling. You would think it'd be McDonald's. Nope. You go, you go to Iceland. There's no McDonald's there. Like KFC. KFC, KFC, and Burger King. Yeah. they're owned by the same company. Yeah, and Pizza. When yeah. when when Chris Cordes and I went to went to China together, it was like we went from looking at frogs for sale in the market right next to a KFC. Chicken tasted like people love chicken. Frog. Here's the here's the top secret Asian best food. One of the best meals I've had in my life. Niseko Japan. There's eight types of ramen in the world. And one of them comes from Niseko Japan and you can't get it anywhere else. We've tried to make it at home and Kate does a good job, but it's not quite right. Potato ramen. If oh, you ask, if you ask Laura very nicely, I'm sure she would be able to make it. This, this girl it requires her, special tools. She makes, she has the press. She has like the noodle thing. Does she have the foamer? No, the foamer is the key. I don't know. If she has a foamer. No, no. There's a foamer thing. Like, weren't we just talking about this last line? You're like, you should tear that wall down in your house. And I'm like, I guarantee you by the end of the year, that will be filled with like some kind of specialty. Yes. Kitchen equipment. There's going to be, that has a large kitchen and lots and lots of storage, like a lot. And there's a wall between half a wall between it, the kitchen and the living room. And I'm like, yeah, it'd be better if that was like down, you'd have like more air. No, that's true. So you could cook and watch TV. Like I kind of agree, but you also don't eat the food that I do every night. That's true. That's fair. So yeah. 
priorities. So on the food thing, since you just talked about eating healthy and no fast food, I think that the one question I wanted to ask, there was several, but the one that was most important to me is how do you, how do you rank being physically fit for travel? Cause it's, it's an interesting thing that I've encountered in my, in my travels. I always try to maintain a base level of fitness and strength. I mean, big spare tires and all these things that we have to do recoveries and everything else. Moving luggage around. Wait, which big spare tires are we <laughs> yeah, talking yeah. about? The, the ones that we both uh, yeah, have? That's why I can carry a spare tires and maintain a level of fitness. Just, but yeah. I, so I try to maintain like enough fitness to be an effective traveler. But how have you found that being really adventure ready, like at your level of fitness, how has that changed your travels? And what would you recommend people consider around fitness for overland travel? Yeah. Wow. I mean, my fitness ebbs and flows for sure. And it's usually based on injuries, whether injuries from adventure sports or old injuries from adventure sports that pop back up, my back's destroyed. Um, and so like right now I'm super unfit. Um, really am. I haven't been working out much at all, but I've been traveling a ton. Um, and I always feel worse when I don't work out and I'm not, I'm not ready for the adventure because I tend to go and do, when I go and do things, I don't kind of do them halfway. <laughs> like I haven't been mountain biking in a while and I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm going to go solo the Wasatch Crest trail. I'll be fine. A thousand vertical ascent, 3,800 down, you know, double black downhill trails or whatever on my enduro bike. It's fine. And it works out fine. And I do it and I'm, I have fun. But when you get to the bottom and you try to wake up the next day and you can't get out of bed because your back doesn't work, it's kind of rough. I'm old. hundred percent. But last summer I ran my first ultra. So like 60 plus miles. And I was like in the best shape of my life for sure. Wasn't that for your 40th birthday? Yep. For my 40th birthday. I always wanted to run, run an ultra before I turned 40 and uh, COVID hit and the world ended. Um, so there was no events. So I just decided to do it myself anyway. So I went and did uh, the right above Portland in Forest Park. There's the Wildwood Trail and it's 30.2 miles each way and a huge ascent. I forget the total. It goes up and over this kind of huge hill up to Piddick Mansion. And um, I did that out and back. So 60.4 miles and it hurt, but I did it solo. I had a couple of friends hop in and kind of pace me a little bit and make sure I didn't die too much. I, I fell over on a tree route once on the way back because I was just not operating at full capacity at like 50 something miles. What what qualifies as an ultra marathon? Anything over a marathon is technically so twenty six point okay two two, yeah yeah, is technically an ultra. I got it. So like a fifty k is like thirty point like thirty one miles or something. What's the general standard? Like what do people really start to see that being as legit? My personal standard, uh, which I always hold myself way too high of a standard, is fifty miles or longer. Okay, yeah. So essentially twice a marathon. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to go run 50 plus miles in under 12 hours. That was my goal in a race. Well, there's no races. So I just went and did it myself. And this just was an easy goal. It was like five miles from my house. The wife, my wife supported me along the way. She joined like that crosses a couple of roads and um, the rest of the time you're in the woods and she'd stop and give me some more water or food or a change of clothes at halfway. I got all fresh clothes, which was amazing because it was in the middle of summer in July, middle of July. So mm. it was super hot. But yeah, it was, it was a blast. I mean, it, I always said I wouldn't do it again when I, when I was finished it, but it's just like marathon. It's like, oh yeah, I'll do another one. Why not? So the next goal is under 24 hour, hundred miler at some point. I'm not in shape right now to do it, but that's, it'll be, it's on the bucket list. Like and would that would be a trail race or do you want to do something that's more flat? And I mean, what's your, what's your goal on that hundred miler? Um, I very much a, like running in the woods more than just pounding pavement and my joints and old man back very much appreciate trail over. Gotcha. So I don't, uh, and I, I, I like the type two suffering when it comes to the elevation change. Um, so trail run for sure, but, yeah. um, hopefully not at altitude cause that hurts me. I live at sea level right now, <laughs> but, um, coming up here, even to Prescott and stuff, five to 7,000 foot between here and 
flag and um, even at Matt's wedding at like 11,000 foot and I did like an 18 mile bike ride the morning. All you wedding. needed was one of these. <laughs> yeah, one PBR. Yeah, that. so I got up super early the morning of Matt's wedding and did a 18 plus mile bike ride with like 1400 vertical ascent and 28 down. It was it was rough. It hurt at uh, 11,000 feet. So again, being adventure ready, like you said, is for me, uh, I do, I try to do, when I'm working out a lot, I try to every day do push-ups. Um, every time I go in and out of my room, I have a pull-up bar on my office uh, in, the, in the doorway and try to do, hammer out a couple of pull-ups. That's smart. Just kind of a good foot. I got a little um, campus board in the entrance way to my garage. So it's the same kind of thing. Like every time I go in and out, I try to at least do a pull-up. And that's, that's the little like climbing with a bu- bunch of different holds on. Is that what that's exactly, called? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. We yeah. could get those here. Just put one we have, above the door. We have a gym next door that none of us use. We also have an electric scooter <laughs> yeah, a yeah. gas station to get Red Bulls. <laughs> that, that's like me wanting, I really want a uh, one wheel. They're really, really fun. Yeah. But if I got one, I would never walk. I hate mm. walking. I'll run, but I hate walking. It's boring. I don't, I don't hike. Moving don't your walk. legs about is just, it hurts. I don't like it. Very 19th century. <laughs> like, like biking and running, uh, bicycling and running are like a good speed. You can see the world at a really good pace. Yeah, do you uh, kind of think hiking's boring? I always think hiking's boring sometimes. Like well, hiking's like, ridiculously boring unless it's somewhere really special really, where you're really the only cool. way to get there and get some epic photo. But how would you ever get a date on <laughs> Tinder if you didn't have hiking in your profile? I'm, 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 I'm pre-Tinder and I'm done with. <laughs> did you ever have to do tinder i did oh, yeah yeah i never did you had to have hiking on there no, you have to i didn't though. loves hiking oh you didn't no hiking how many dates did you get the first date was hiking <laughs> <laughs> that's the best part but, but then but then you ended up meeting a lovely wife like through friends I yep. believe that she liked your jacket at a mutual friend's wedding or something. She, right? she thought I looked outdoorsy with my outdoorsy. Outdoor she said she told she she told us the story and she's yeah. like, "Who is that good looking outdoorsy guy?" A mutual yeah. friend's wedding. Yep. Yeah. But but didn't meet her there. That's the fun part. She stalked me afterwards, and then and then we did it. I never saw I never saw her at the wedding. I kind of feel bad about that actually. She was hanging out with her mom, and I was hanging out with like a group of friends that I've had for longer than any other friends that I know. Other associated women you met on Tinder. There was none Please there. Don't hit me, Kate. There was none there. Please don't. <laughs> on the fitness thing, because this is something that Scott and I will never be able to answer for our readers ever. Scott's fit. I don't know what you're talking about. You can want me right now. Um, sure. So, yeah, sure. as long as it doesn't involve the running part. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's just not put Matt in that position of choosing between friends. Um, no, Scott. Scott beat me on the trek expedition by like a hundred feet. We went different ways, so I don't know who was faster. In, but. in running or like win, like it like like a, high lift jack winching? It was a navigation running thing, and yeah. he beat me by like a hundred feet to the cars, but a different route. So I don't know whose was longer. So I don't know who you might, I think you chose the better route. So that made him faster. I think so yeah. he's smarter runner than me. <laughs> <laughs> I did start ahead of you too. So that's considerably probably, yes. yeah, that, that, that helped as well. We're going to take a brief break and we will be right back. This week's episode is supported in part by iCamper. They make innovative hard shell and soft-sided roof tents that are designed to survive long-term overland use. Their revolutionary X-Cover won the Overland Journal Editor's Choice Award, eliminating the bulky PVC cover and also allowing for the fitment of crossbars for carrying bikes and kayaks. Their SkyCamp Mini is another award-winning design that provides a hard-shell tent in the footprint of a much smaller clamshell model. This is the perfect solution for smaller vehicles or on vehicles where rack space is dedicated to other systems. iCamper believes that the best times are those spent traveling, discovering the world with those you love most. You can find out more about their quality tents at iCamper.com. 
www.thegreatdoctor.com. So if you're living on the road, yeah. if you're doing a van life, what are like, what are three easy things to stay, you know, cause not everybody can bring a bike with them cause they, they do take up a lot of space. Sometimes they can't bring kayaks or whatever, but you should bring a bike. That's, that's really fun. What, what are like three easy things that, uh, uh, people that are doing the life on the road, whether it's van or roof tent or whatever, how would you recommend that they stay fit? Cause I, I always think like when you're fit, you're in a better mental state, 100%. you enjoy things more, you interact with the community, you act with the terrain, you interact with the, the environment more. What so are, more energy. Yeah. More good. <laughs> yeah. What are those three things? Three things. No bikes, no kayaks. Oof. Um, I mean, running shoes. That's the easy yeah. one. You got to yeah. have like multiple running shoes. I have more shoes than my wife. Like I have trail running shoes. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> trail running shoes, road running shoes. You got to have at least two because you got to swap out. You're putting when you're putting in big miles and then you got mountain bike shoes, road bike shoes, kayak shoes, creaking shoes, playboat shoes for the kayaks. Like there's so many shoes. So let's see. Yeah. Appropriate footwear for getting out there and adventuring. Mm. That's one. Um, one that's really good that I don't do enough, at least for me is, um, just those elastic bands, like the, yeah. the ones you get from PT, like they cut it off in mm-hmm. whole different uh, weights. Um, those are really good for shoulder exercise and stuff. I've blown out shoulders and having like, ju- like joints for your elbows and wrists and uh, shoulders that work properly, you have better posture when you're sitting and you just feel better. You can go do so much stuff when all those little ligaments are strong. Even if your big muscles aren't strong, you're just better. At, you can handle way more abuse when you crash and stuff like that. And what, what do you use for flexibility because I, when I think of being adventure ready, there's three things that come to mind. Stability is one of the most important. So we don't fall a, a lot of injuries that happen yeah, in the back country. So stability comes to mind. Flexibility is the other thing that comes to mind, which is going to reduce our chances of injury. And then obviously we want to have a degree of strength. Yep. Cardiovascular fitness can happen in a bunch of different ways. But um, when I think about being adventure ready, the things that I, I find is you want to have a little bit of fuel in the tank. You want to have some cardiovascular fitness, but if I'm, if I'm stretching well and I'm, and I have good stability and I have good strength. I'm able to kind of do all of the things, the high lift jacking and yep. the tires and all of that. What, what do you use for, for flexibility? I mean, what's your focus around that? Uh, I'm horrible at that is the, is the truth. I'm, so rel- am I. I'm That's generally I'm flexible, yeah. um, but I don't work on it enough and it definitely hinders my performance. Yeah. I think um, that for me too. When uh, the best thing that I've found for that honestly is like Bikram yoga. Like, mm. like once a week, even, uh, what is Bikram yoga? I know what yoga is. <laughs> so is it, and I have been sold on kinds. it. Like it's fantastic. We do it yeah. like at night before bed and yep. I'm just very like, I, like I sleep better. Yeah. What's, what does Bikram mean? <laughs> um, Bikram, I, I think it's a form, that, it's a type like, of yoga, but they do it hot sometimes, which is really good. Oh, hot yoga. That's slightly different, but normal Bikram yoga. I think it's just like kind of the normal base yoga. I think I'm really hot bad. Yoga. I don't know that. I, yeah. We'll put it in the show, in the show. Yeah. Notes. We're going to, there's a show notes. We'll just, <laughs> yeah. the definition of Bikram yoga. Um, yeah. but I know that's the type that I've done a bunch of, and it basically like it's strength, balance, flexibility kind of combined. And it's a lot of like stretchy postures while like holding a pose, you're locking off a few muscles and stretching others. Um, and I find that really useful, especially for core. Like w- me with the back, I have a tall torso, like I got same problem. Matt's got 
Yeah. Um, and Corgi built. Yeah. <laughs> and it just messes your back up. So the stronger your core is, the more less back pain I have and the more fit you can be. If your big core muscles are strong and even if you have uh, twigs for arms and legs, you can manage to do a lot of things really well, um, especially if you have good form. So like even at kayaking, like professional kayakers, like they have thin arms. They're not mm. all bulked out. They have pretty big shoulders and really good abs because it's yeah, all sure. core. If you, if you have good form, if you have horrible form, you have biceps the size of Popeye. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But those will get smoked pretty quickly. Quick. Yeah. yeah. Use the big muscles. Yeah. That's interesting about, about that with the yoga. I agree. That's definitely been something that I have had a lot of success with. I need to do it way more. You know, if you go on to YouTube or any, any of the other tubes, depending on what you're doing. So I would do a an after run yoga session that was specifically for running and like the recovery would could improve by hours if not days like it was a i'm not 20 anymore so like doing that after exercise stretching like that was such a big deal yoga it helps i love yoga i'm just always scared of doing yoga classes because every time i've done them i just swear like a sailor like <laughs> I just fall over. It's dead it's really quiet fun. and he's in the corner swearing. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Or you didn't also, do your namaste, man. You gotta, yeah, you gotta, I, I, I won't do that. You gotta center your chi or something. <laughs> yeah. I won't, I, I won't do that. I don't do that. I usually just fall over. Like you try, like some of those ones you're really, I love the balance. Yeah, I'm also the bouncy good. ones are my favorite. That's awesome. I love like slacklining and trying like yoga pose while slacklining. I love That's it. That's amazing. Like super balancey. And you can, you, you, Can't you can it. think through all the little muscles in your body. Like as things are happening, like you can think of individual ab muscles and contract them and like mm. get yourself to balance. And I love that like body awareness. Mm. Um, and it's something that I wish I learned. I'm going to, I'm going to impart on my daughter for sure is like body awareness. Like, mm. so I love adventure sports um, and snowboarding and inline skating back in the day and all that. I was, I was a fruit booter. It happened. <laughs> um, but getting, when I get inverted, so like wakeboarding, I tried tantrums, was like, like a laid out backflip. I land on my head every time. Mm. It's because once I'm in the air, things get wonky and I just oh. don't have it figured out. One thing that I want to impart on my kid early is body awareness and like how to spot landings and that kind of stuff. And even if they're not into any of that, it's fine, but it's really good for, even if you fall or anything else, you just sure. tuck and roll and all that kind of stuff comes automatic when you really understand what's going on around you. Mm. Um, in when you're inverted, your brain still operates properly. Yeah. Interesting. So I'm going to do a subject change here. Oh, so prior to you and Kate done, getting done there. with the fitness yeah. <laughs> done, the, the only thing I can add on. is that during yoga, I'm mainly just thinking about how terrified I am of farting. <laughs> Like that's like people, some people find it very relaxing. It's incredibly stressful for me. Well, like, you just got to let it I, out. I know man. it sounds let, Don't hold that in. Just How do they, it it's out. a room full of people. How do they know it was you? Cause I'll be the one giggling. <laughs> you give yourself away. <laughs> you got to work on your poker I mean, games, buddy. You just look, you just look over. No, Brian, more. you know, I cannot do poker. I, I know. The only time I'm near a poker table is when we're in Las Vegas and I'm drinking the free beer that they give you. Cause I'm winning. Cause you're winning. Yeah. And then I drink it. It's good fun. Yeah. Cool. So I'm glad we've established that. <laughs> I have no poker face, but so before you and Kate got married, you guys flew to South America. Mm-hmm. You bought a forerunner. I did. Some stuff went a little bit sideways. South. Literally. Way south. (laughs) Almost to the end of the road. So where did you fly into? Uh, We flew into Santiago um, right before New Year's. So we got to spend New Year's Eve in downtown Santiago. And that's where you bought the Forerunner. Was that a Forerunner? I I finally convinced this guy, like, Brian, you should just buy Toyotas. They're really reliable. (laughs) 
Sorry, super bro. reliable. Yeah. So, was it a was it a a North American registered? So did you buy it from another, or it was a South American? So I got basically the uh, Chilean version of a social security number down there. I went through the paperwork, so I could okay. buy whatever I wanted and have it Chilean plated and okay. legal. So, sure, cool. Uh, Chile is one of the few countries you can actually do that as a foreigner. Um, so it's pretty painless. There's a huge lines and paperwork and nonsense, but there's like two or three companies down there that will help you through that process. You pay them a little bit and it's pretty minimal. Totally worth it in that way. I don't know that the fly and buy program is worth it. I, I My plan was I looked at all the rental rates and we were going to be there for about two months. And I was like, uh, rental rate, like eight grand for like a Hilux or something, like a basic one, not even outfitted with a camper or anything for two months. And I'm like, this isn't going to work. I don't have that kind of money. So we were like, all right, well, we'll fly down. I worked out the program. I was like, I'll buy a car for you know, between eight and 15 grand. So it's semi-reliable, make sure to go through all the fluids, make sure it's good. And then take off for two months and sell it for similar money, lose two or three grand, two or three grand. I can, I can eat that for two months of travel for living in the vehicle. We got down there. We were, my wife and I were both really sick. Uh, we had some flu thing for like a while. Um, so New Year's Eve was rough. We're like walking around downtown, like not drinking or anything and like stumbling around cause we're like delirious. Um, but we saw the fireworks and stuff. It was an amazing scene to be a part of. Yeah. San Diego was great. Cool city. It Very really cool is. city. Yeah. yeah. In San Diego, we worked with another, with a, one of these handler companies to try to find a car. They were not a great help to be honest with you. Um, we searched a ton. I even test drove a few. They do not take care of their vehicles in Chile. It's just how it is. Like they, I don't understand because the vehicles are super expensive, like way more expensive than North America to buy new uh, and then in relevance used and they just don't take care of them. They don't do oil changes. They don't repair the springs. I'm, I guess they just blow, blow all their money on buying it and then they can't maintain it or something, mm. but they're like, Oh, rust free and da, 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 da. And I drive the thing and it's just like the biggest rust bucket. The shocks are blown. Everything. I'm like, I don't want to, I, I don't have the money to update this thing just mm. to use it. Um, so after a few of those experiences, we uh, found through that agency, a another traveling couple that was leaving and they had been traveling in it for like five months as a forerunner it was Chilean plated. It was like an 06 with the V6 in it, the V6 gas motor. And I was like, it's a forerunner. It's not, I wanted something interesting. I was looking at a lot of Nebas. I was looking yeah, at Mitsubishi fun. Monteros. I was looking at things that like we can't really get here easily. And because I wanted to write stories and I wanted something fun. I want a driving experience. I'm always looking for the next interesting driving experience. So I was like, all right, well, this is the most boring thing ever, but it's, it's going to be really and reliable. And then I talked you into a forerunner. Yeah. And he talked me into a forerunner. And I was like, all right, it's the most reliable thing. Of course, we can sleep inside. It's like perfect. Screw it. I'll buy it. It's good to go. Uh, it was like eight and a half grand. Bought it two weeks later. We had made it to almost to Ushuaia, like a couple hundred miles away in Southern Argentina. And the engine just seized. Like see, we pulled over the side of the road, like seized nothing. So I was communicating with Matt and a couple other people through my Garmin inReach, texting from the other side of the globe, like, uh, what can I do? Is there anything I can do here? Like I was at a lot. I mean, the, the engine wouldn't turn over. I had plenty of battery. I had all the things, but the, it was seized. Like the piston was seized in the block. So the coolant, the head gasket had failed and the coolant, we think coolant got in the engine and seized. Waited on the side of the road for three hours. A, a cool traveling couple from Guatemala had a F-150 with a truck camper in it and pulled over. Um, we waved them down. We're in the middle of nowhere on this highway. And they towed us up and over a mountain through the checkpoint into Chile uh, to the closest town. Because also in Argentina, they don't sell the gas motor. They only sell the diesel in that car. They wouldn't even have the parts if we were to find, there's no towns down yeah. there in Argentina anyway. But so we made it over there through a storm. On that note, like the, the thing I always tell people to travel with or to start to get off-road and overland travel is a set of really good traction boards. So Max Tracks, we'll give you a plug there, Matt. <laughs> Thanks, bro. They they work. I carry, I literally carry them around the world. So a set of Max Tracks, uh, two soft shackles, and a uh, toe strap. And those items, 
or what I carried with me for the vehicle from the US down there. I used I didn't use the Max Tracks because car seized before we got to the good off-road stuff. But um the strap and the soft shackle is what we use. So I was on a short strap and it happened to, it was a recovery strap, not a toe strap. Sure. So uh, a little springy. Yeah. Um so up and over a mountain through an insane wind and rainstorm, short strapped on a camper that I can't see past was interesting, let's say the least. No power steering at that point, no power brakes, assist, nothing. But I managed to keep not run into him. Any of the downhills we'd pull over, I'd unhook and then just coast down the hill. That makes sense. Be, yeah. on, be on my own power. And so I didn't run into him. And yeah, we made it there and in veg, we sold it for scrap. I used that scrap money. We hopped on the ferry, went to, through the fjords in Patagonia, which is beautiful to do that. We did not make it to Ushuaia. We were a couple hundred miles away. It wasn't really worth it to go to the end of the road at that point. I will be back maybe on a moto next time, I hope. Um, and then we just rented a little tiny Volkswagen car. The, I don't know what they call it. They don't even have it here. It's a four-door Econo box with like, I don't know, six-inch wide tires. Like the No, it's, it's, like, it's the same size, but four-door like sedan. Um, and we offered the crap at that thing. It was a rental. Yeah, um, every rental has four-wheel drive. The most capable <laughs> four-wheel drive in the world. The rental. The rental. Unless you rent it from Nina Barlow, in which case, please be respectful. Please, <laughs> please be respectful. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, this car, we, we, so we finished the rest of the trip. We didn't make a douche wire, but we did pretty much everything else. But we ended up spending way more because we were staying in hotels. We did have a ground tent, so we stayed in that at times. Um, but the rest of the time, we had the floor. We were just sleeping in the back, like with an air mattress in the back and our sleeping bags and put the seats down. It was great. Um, but yeah, so the... It, in the end, it cost me about nine, nine and a half grand extra for the trip than it would have, but it's about the same as renting. So it sucked, but it was like kind, it was of, kind of a wash. Yeah, kind of a wash. Yeah. But we missed a few things. Like we definitely, I tried to offer it. There's a few places we just couldn't go with that little car that, yeah. I, wa- and, that I wanted to And then to you go. were so taken with Toyota that you bought a Lexus. <laughs> which is basically a Toyota. I did come back and try to buy a van and buying the unicorn van that I want uh, doesn't exist because they're all rusted out. And yeah, no, because you always look on the East coast. I look, this is the problem. No, that's not true. Like not true at all. Like van rusty truck, rusty. Yep. Yep. Correlation East coast cars. No, the van wasn't an East coast car. The, it was a Portland car, probably nope. rusted from kombucha. No, <laughs> Minnesota car, which is the same difference. Oh, Jesus, that's even, <laughs> it's worse. even worse. I know. Yeah. So I looked for everywhere in the country, including Canada and Mexico, and I cannot find a, if anybody on this podcast wants to reach out regular body E three fifty seven three non rusted barn door van. If you could make your shout out, please. If anybody has AEV Highline fenders for a TJ, there you go. Give me a ring. Matt needs some of those. I need them. Badly. AEV Highline Finish. Daddy needs them. (laughs) There's actually somebody that did reach out and then ghosted me. Oh, it was like. They're going to listen to this and reach back out. You'll be okay. Please, please. I'm not, I'm not mad. Just. I want to talk. That's all I want to do. <laughs> trying to think of what I need a uh, Bimini for a Catalina 250. Oh. Yeah, you just bought oh. a sailboat. I did. Nice. It needs a Bimini. Oh, overwatering. Yes. Overwatering. Because you very, very far over land. <laughs> you, you and Brian did that mental sailing adventure. Brian, and you guys are both sailing yeah. individuals. I've sailed quite a bit, yes. Kiteboard, windsurfing, I yacht am racing. from cornfields. You are, yes. Yeah. I'm originally from Baltimore. Water terrifies me, straight up. I love looking at it while drinking a margarita. I'm going to get you in a whitewater boat. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's like trying to get you to do something you don't want. It was like trying to get Brian like what? to eat. <laughs> okay, it's like trying to get Brian to eat vegetables circa 2013. Ooh, that would have been rough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I would have like thrown a thing of iceberg lettuce at your head, it would have gotten about the same response as me getting into a whitewater raft. (laughs) 
<laughs> I got you in a whitewater. No, you didn't. You chickened out at my wedding. I had whitewater oh, kayaking yeah. and rafting, I'm, and he didn't come. Everybody I am, else. I even a, got my parents, Kate's parents, <laughs> in a raft. But had 80-year-olds in the raft, in but no class Matt. two, three, but <laughs> Matt and Laura did not come. They were there. They hung out in the, in the hotel. Drink I Rose drove across the country in the same way that you drove across the country to go to my wedding, but um, yeah. I hate water. Oh, okay. I didn't know this about you, Matt. I provided water for you at my... Yeah, you even did a stand-up paddleboard out in the middle of the lake. I did. Yeah. With my suit on. That was yeah, that was very yeah. cool. So you have a Lexus GX 460 now. Correct. And and I think the, the, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's on Brian's shirt. My sack wear shirt. Zoom in. So I, I think one of the cool things that you did with yours is you designed your own bumper. You designed your own roof rack. I did design. I helped design the brackets for the Shieldman seats. Yeah. I helped design a goose gear platform system. And you with a love your Shieldman seats because you've got lower back problems. I love my Shieldman seats. There. Yeah. What a, what an incredible product that is. Yeah. yeah. That product is pricey in all regards, but it's so worth it. Like they're just, I, I just got back from Matt's wedding and on the way back, it's a long drive from Telluride to Portland. And uh, I was going to be in the back seat with the baby a bunch and working because I, I got the day job now. The wife was going to drive a bunch. But instead, I ended up driving most of it because I l- could not sit in the back seat. My back was destroyed sitting in the back normal seats in the GX. So the Shieldman's like survive, like a little bit of heat on and they're just ergonomic. You tweak the little lumbar support a little bit and oh, they're so good for long distance driving. So, so what else have you done to it? Give us like the, no. give us the, So uh, I'm going to say 30 second elevator speech. That's under five minutes. Copy. 40 seconds. Go. All right. Lexus GS 460 2013. Uh, I looked at it while I was trying to buy a van. The vans were all rusty. I found a non-rusty GX. I talked you into it. A little bit, yep. Uh, at the time... I found it. No, you didn't. I totally found it. I found it and sent it to you. We'll go with that. We'll go with that theory. Because <laughs> you were looking at like Land Rovers. You were going to get an LR3. A little bit, I was. And I'm like... Oh, I, and I'm, I wouldn't... I, wouldn't I have the that. distinct advantage of being Brian's first helpline. And I just was not putting up with an LR3. Like I was putting my foot down... So hard, I might yeah. still buy one. But. Just don't. <laughs> if, if you do it right, do the theory, man. No, I get it. Everybody, the, it's going to be like that. It's going to be like that South South American Forerunner, though. One of if, my best friends, Nick Shopes, has one in Portland, and I get to drive it quite often. They're amazing, and they're when they great. work, when they work, they're amazing. When it works, it's they're amazing. Awesome. They're amazing. Like twenty five hundred dollars to redo the. If brakes. you're not, if I'm not your first call for when stuff goes wrong with your car, please buy a Land Rover LR3. Okay, go for it. On it. I will, but I bought a GX and, uh, the GX 460, it was already built by a guy in Georgia. Quite honestly, all uh, 95% of the parts that were on it were not up to par, uh, for my standard of quality. So, and I knew that the, I had a lot of partners in the industry at that point, after building my Ram truck camper that I built a custom box and lived in that for quite a while. I wanted, I saw an opportunity to work with a few partners and before I bought it, I reached out to them and they were ready to build some parts for that platform. I worked it out to help design a number of parts. I designed a front bumper with trail ready. It is by far the most functional and tight bumper on that car. It looks real good. That And it's the light, it's the lightest full featured one. Uh, it's, it's got a full winch setup. What's It'll it made out of? Aluminum, stainless and steel. So there's okay. three, but it, they're all in the right way to make it the gotcha. lightest and strongest as possible. You can't use aluminum on a, like a recovery point. Cause you're just going to rip yeah, it out yeah. of the front of the, so, but it's got swivel, swivel recovery points. So soft shackles work great on 
it. Um, it's got a worn winch. It's got Factor G5, you know, um, link on the front of it. It's uh, just clean and, and works great. So I'm super happy with how that worked out. It took two prototypes to get it perfect. It's got integrated PL lights. Uh, even the top bar of the grill guard has an integrated light bar. And that is like the only That's my real favorite off-road part light. About it. And it has like a, that. doesn't it have like a little storage box or something? No storage box. It just has full access to the winch. So oh, it has yeah, a little, that's what it is. little hatch on the top. Yeah. So most full that's the problem like that. with most of those bumpers. You can't, you can't get, get to the, the winch. winch. Yeah. This one you can, without opening the hatch, you can reach your whole arm in and touch everything. And with the hatch off the top, you can see the entire reel and deal wow. with everything. Cool. Um, so yeah, uncommon, well, but needed. Yeah, for, for sure. Actual, I'm all about functionality. Like if it doesn't function, then do function and then make it look right. Like this, that car always has a cleft chin look. And I tried to minimize that as much as possible. It's just the body line. It's really hard to make an off-road bumper that like looks good on that. Thing. True. So, but it worked out really good. I'm happy with that. Uh, did a full custom roof rack um, with a local company in Portland that makes van roof racks. The rack came out pretty good. I'm happy with it. It's, it's wide, has lights on it. Um, for me, again, it's designed to carry like five kayaks and or four kayaks and a toolie box for my skis at the same time, skis and paddles and paddling gear at the same time. I know it'll hold two kayaks, a mountain bike and all the gear in the roof on the roof, which is literally do a triathlon out of your good. It is. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Adventure triathlon. It might be next adventure actually. Um, so yeah, that worked out great. Then I worked with goose gear and we did a custom drawer system. They already had a plate for it. Yeah. That looks really good. Yeah. It's a little higher and it goes over the rear seats and I got a little attachment gives me a sleep platform on the passenger side so I can sleep one person. It's got cage on there with a drop slide that Matt has at Adventure Imports or had a few. I don't know if he has yeah. any left. So got a few left. Yeah. Um, so that worked out really good. And then uh, equipped, got me a, one of the National Luna fridges, which works amazing. The new legacy ones. Um, so drop fridge on top of the drawer system, sleep next to it. What else is on that thing? It's got full icon stage seven with a few tweaks for better springs and stuff for suspension. So, and yeah, then the I did suspension's a, crazy on that thing. It's really nice. I, I could drive down Death Valley, like crazy washboard at like 70. And I, I was talking to you on speakerphone one time, like it's all good. And then we did a body mount shop and it's got 34s and it's got the Evo course wheels that are like one to car on the, on the, um, yeah, those, look, those wheels look great. I love yeah. them. They're so clean. I wasn't originally going to go with the bronze, though. but they came out really good with the crazy vinyl graphics I did on the trucks. Yeah. So it's got custom sliders that came on the truck. That's the one part that I really loved that I kept on there. And it still has a rear bumper that I'm really not happy with. That's the only part left. That's like really not okay. Yeah. It's like a China Prada bumper. It's a knockoff Kmart bumper. Let's be straight. The best bumper for that truck is the Kmar. The Kmar costs four times at retail what all the other competitors are. Uh, it is the best, but I don't. I don't know. I don't have that kind of money to put into a rear bumper, so I yeah. haven't haven't bought one. Yeah, if you want the best, buy the and Kmart all of rear those kind of truck. style, like the the Kmar scraper, they're kind of a pain to use with those latches, and I haven't really like it's innovated a, like some of the ARB stuff, like some of the AEV stuff. Like it's a better latch than the cheap knockoff ones. <laughs> I'll tell you that because it holds yeah. up. The mine are all wearing out from rattling on the road, so all the joints are rattling off. Have you looked at, would a, a Prado 150 rear door fit on your truck? It would. People have done that. Yeah. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. I had Matt Glass's Prado door sitting in the Max Tracks warehouse for months. I remember. <laughs> I feel bad. <laughs> it was like you ordered it and then all the containers just like started being full to capacity. And I'm like, sorry, dude. The Prado 120 <laughs> for his 470. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. There's a ton of cool Prado parts you can put on it and some Forerunner parts you can kind of sort of make work. Um, Trail Ready just made a rear swing out, single swing out for the fifth gen Forerunner. Mm. It might fit. 
I'm not sure, but it looks really good. It's kind of heavy, kind of overbuilt. I'm super um, conscious of weight. Like I really care about the weight. And so How much I'm, do you have you weighed your truck? So I have, I don't remember the number, but it was within hundred, 150 pounds of GBW with me in it, fully loaded with water, fuel, food, kayak, mountain bike, gear, all of it. And it was just over GBW, like a hundred pounds over GBW. And you had, um, you've removed the rear, the third row seats. I have, yep. That saves a lot of weight. It does, yeah. And then you removed part of the rear seat. No, uh, all the rear seats are in place. Even with the bed platform, it folds Got underneath. Because I want to be able to quickly convert it back and be able to haul people and my baby. And Got it. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. Cool. So, um, yeah. And then Shieldman seats and uh, switch pro system and Mule expedition outfitters helped me dial in the electrics and the electrics are all like, it's all shrink wrapped and labeled and run appropriately and a uh, cell phone booster from WeBoost and yeah, the WeBoost are really good. It works. Mine yeah. never works. I've heard such mixed results on it. Well, so. cause it's not Mimo, right? It's like trying to, it, whatever, like whatever uh, band it latches onto, it's only bringing one in where your phone, like the new iPhone will have pro I think it's like, they call it four by four mm, where yeah. it will bring four four different bands in and, and, and combine them. Interesting. So it's great for voice. So not, I find it amazing it when I'm on, on the, the edges of cell signal. So you have to have some signal or it works not at all. Yeah. But when you have some signal, it boosts it like double. And yeah, it's that's my experience. I, like when I can't get out a, call, a text, even all of a sudden I can make phone calls, which is huge. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've used it effectively to work on the road. It has helped me, but they are expensive and I'm, it's a big crapshoot as to whether it's worth it. Quite honestly. Like I, I think it's so situation dependent. I, I, yeah. I put one on my gladiator just because wh- where I live, I drive through this this dead zone, which you're I familiar know, I know with. I about your dead zone. Yeah. And it didn't do anything for that dead zone. Surprising. If it's dead, it's dead. You got to have some. Yeah, I mean, like there's, there's, there's one or two bars, but mm. it's just like, have you, and you, you put the phone right on the booster. Like you, you actually, no, like, no, it's an internal antenna. So you, I have the RV it. one. That's which what I have as well. Supposed to have the bigger antenna, but like, so yours is the directional one then, or is yours the omnidirectional, the new omnidirectional one? Omnidirectional one. It should be omnidirectional. Yeah. yeah so when, the antenna. yeah, when we talk to WeBoost, the key to it is it's, You've got to have your phone like, like on it near the antenna. Well, because right? I think within not- within an inch of oh, the antenna, really within an inch of the antenna to get the maximum. Because the, the RV one, the way it's set up is as an as a, another antenna on the inside of the car, and it's supposed to broadcast within the vehicle. Yeah, you got to have it right on top of it. I'm going to try this next. Time. So try. I've had it, so it close, it, but not so that put close. it right on it, and you'll you'll actually watch the bars go up on your phone. So as you pull it away, you can watch the bars go down, and as you that's how you know it's working. But yeah. um, pretty amazing. So I'm testing this MoFi 5G router right now. Is that the one that Mike's got? I think that's one. It's a 5G router. Oh, I think he's got the he loved, cradle point one. Yeah, he loved it. Yeah, he I think he's really got the good. cradle point one. This is like the... These guys aren't internet nerds or anything. This yeah, is the... Total uh, nerds. So this is like the equivalent for my tax bracket versus Mike's. It's kind oh, of I the cheaper you. one. Yeah, sure. Love Mike. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> we, I, we all have different levels of wealth. <laughs> we should probably wrap up here because it's a bit long. So we're going to do a subsequent podcast with Brian. So Brian and Scott were both just on Trek, which mm-hmm. is a kind of an athletic slash four wheel drive competition that Land Rover has always historically done. And Brian won that. Brian won it, which yep. is really cool. Won the media wave. We'll put the qualifier on there, but it was amazing. I did win. Yeah, I mean, who? Who was I mean, on your team? Who was on my team? We had Jeff from Hooniverse and we 
had Tommy from TFL Off-Road. Yeah, you guys crushed it. Don't discredit yourself because the other waves are used car salesmen. That's not true. <laughs> isn't, isn't that, it was always, it no, was it's always like, it could be, dealers. it could be technicians or it could be their it's dealers and they always have at least one tech, one front of house and one back of house and then a third person. So it's three yeah. people from the dealership. It's so there's a technician, a salesman and a somebody. I'm still kind of right. <laughs> they sell new cars too. I worked at a Land Rover dealer. We'll throw that in the, we'll talk about that. I, in the that next was my first job as I worked for Land Rover. I do want to ask I heard that brand. There's a couple questions I do like to ask and I I'd love to get your insights because I know that you're well-read, Brian. Is there a couple books that you have found in your your readings really changed the course of your life where you thought about something in a different way than you had before? I'm not not a prolific reader at all. I definitely read... Uh, read a decent amount, but um, Dr. Seuss to your daughter doesn't count. I haven't done that yet, but that's coming soon. She's yeah. <laughs> only three months old. I'm working on it. <laughs> but um, wow, that's a tough one. I can't think of one off the top of my head. That's, that's not, okay. Yeah, I don't. Harry Potter. There's been some interesting marketing books that in university around that time. Um, marketing is one of the things that always has stuck with me. In high school, I was winning like without with zero studying or doing anything. I'd show up at national competitions and win marketing awards. Uh, it was really kind of weird. So that's actually I had no clue what to do. So that's why I went to college for marketing. I was like, Oh, I'm good at this. And I don't have to do any, I don't have to study at all. This is perfect. I can have a good college experience. That's okay. You don't have to have an answer for that. Yeah. We can just cut cut that right out of the podcast. (laughs) So unread. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not educated. No, I, yeah. Books. I mean, I I read a lot of adventure books. Um, is there an adventure book you like? Well, uh, so how about one? Uh, Let your people go surfing. Uh, that's a great one. Chenard's, um, Yvonne Chenard. Yeah. Yeah. So that one's a really powerful book. Whether you're in a business or not, I find that one it's excellent. That one really good. Um, I forget the name of the cliff. The people that started Cliff oh, Bar, sure, sure. The, kind of the case study on that. It's a yeah. really good read. A fun one that I don't know if you're going to learn anything from, but is uh, the drive the driver. Uh, so the guy that Alex Roy who drove cross country. Uh, they made a movie out of it. Uh, I haven't watched the movie. It, the movie's Apex. Is there a movie? Apex. It's on, I think it's, you pay for it on YouTube or something. Oh yeah, it's like a B movie. Uh, I mean, it's like a documentary slash like entertainment film, but about the cross, like the cannonball run. So setting the yeah, record yeah. coast to coast. Is that the guy that did got- it in the black Mercedes? No, it's an M5. M5. Okay. He's done it a lot of the, he, he, he currently got- has the three-wheeler record. The Morgan, yeah. he did it in Morgan three-wheeler. That's a little bit obscure. Well, yeah, but he did have the overall record in a BMW M5 that was fully Prepared. Were you there when we got really drunk with him in, in Vegas with Matt Rodonicus from 4x4 Australia? I was there for a little bit of that, him and Richard Rollins. Yeah. I got toasted. Yeah. I think I was also like 22 and in <laughs> Vegas on Scott's Dime. So thank thank you Warren for the amazing booze and at Cabo Wabo. I drank so much inappropriately on this guy's tab when I was working for him. I'm sorry. What are we doing right now, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> and, and let's be straight. He, Matt didn't drink on Scott's tab. He would just be on Scott's time as an employee, but he'd be drinking free booze from all the manufacturers. <laughs> well, also drinking off of your poker tabs. Well, that came later, but yes, absolutely. Yeah, poker yeah. and blackjack. So. Yeah, yeah. And on that bombshell, <laughs> uh, we're going to end this. Uh, thank you for listening to the Overland Journal podcast with Brian Dorr, Scott Brady, and myself, Matt Scott. Stay tuned for the next round of all of this and uh, safe travels. Safe travels. Thanks for listening. <laughs>